Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is Cruise Radio. If you're traveling with travel insurance, you're traveling smart. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Here we go. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Carnival Horizon, where writer Richard Sims from cruiseradio.net is going to interview me about the sailing I just did on Horizon because no one wants to hear me talk for 30 minutes straight, so we're going to break it up and Richard's going to uh, ask me some questions. We'll chat it up a little bit and then kind of move on. So with that said, Richard, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for that. Let's hope they want to hear us talk for 30 minutes. Uh, I'm personally excited about this because this is a, a big ship, a new ship, and it's uh, exciting. So tell us, as you were getting ready for this, was there anything different about this cruise as far as your preparation for it? Pretty much the same as any other cruise I've been on. You know, when you're sailing these new ships, all you're really seeing is what the renderings look like of the spaces. You don't know what the spaces really, really look like. You see them come to life in construction photos, but you're really not going to see how they're fully set up until you get there, especially when you're on a ship that, like I was on the second sailing of Carnival Horizon. So um, as far as research goes, I was just studying the deck plans. I mean, it's pretty much a carbon copy of Carnival Vista. So... I mean, there's no more Red Frog Pub. That's replaced with the Guy Fieri Pig and Anchor uh, Smokehouse and Brew House. And then the Library Bar and the Piano Bar switched as well, which we'll talk about later. But other than that, it was pretty much an identical ship, so I knew what I was getting into going on. So you flew over and you flew to Barcelona. I I suspect that we're probably not going to spend a lot of time talking about the ports just because it was such a different itinerary than what the ship will be doing when it actually comes here. But what was it? Uh, was was it any different boarding in Barcelona than it is here? How was your embarkation? So embarkation was nice. I took advantage of the Carnival Transfer Service, and that took me from the airport to the ship. And as soon as I cleared customs, I checked in with a Carnival agent. They took my bag, and then the next time I saw my bag was in my stateroom. So that's a nice thing about booking the cruise line transfer service. And I got to the pier around ten thirty. And they didn't start boarding until 11.15. So there was 45 minutes from curb to ship only because of the um, boarding that didn't start until 45 minutes after I got there. Uh, The health form that normally printed in your documents wasn't there. And I'm like, did something, was there a glitch? What was going on? But it turns out Carnival is going to this um, electronic embark system. And part of that embark system has the health form on the uh, agent's iPad. So they're asking you, have you been sick the past 24 hours, throw up, diarrhea, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then you just answer no. Uh, even if you want to answer yes, you probably answer no anyways. And then you just get on the ship from there. Do you think anybody in the history of ever has said yes to any of those questions, knowing what it means if they do? Not if they're smart, <laughs> right? <laughs> so you get on board. Uh, what's the first impression? It's a very red ship, as if Vista had a blue blue tones throughout it. Um, a lot of red chairs, uh, red paintings in there. Of course, just like Vista, a three-story atrium, not like other Carnival cruise ships that have the 12- or 14-story atrium. 
you're only talking decks three where you get on the ship, four and five, and then you can't go, you can't see up past deck five on the atrium. The big thing that pops out when you first get on the ship that has everybody pulling their cameras out or their cell phones is the um, LED landmark, the centerpiece in the middle of the ship, that dreamscape sphere, I call it. And it has all these crazy images on there that really makes the atrium light up and come to life. Um, you have the atrium bar there as well. You know, the first thing that I did, though, when I got on this ship, besides take a ton of pictures, is walk to the Pig and Anchors um, Smokehouse and Brewhouse, the Guy Fieri restaurant. Because I've been reading and researching so much about this place and stalking the menu. And it wasn't quite open yet because I was, like, probably the second person on the ship. But um, I got to take a lot of cool pictures of the venue before um, – it opened, and I have to say, it looks exactly like the renderings. Well, let's back up a second. When you say that it's a very red ship, mm-hmm. is it a gaudy red or is it a subtle red? You know, there are there are degrees of red. Yeah. So, uh, would the word muted, muted tones, is that correct mm-hmm. to say? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Yeah. So it's very not gaudy, not Vegasy, like the the neon light red on the other carnival ships, like the older ones. Just very subtle hints of red, I guess, through the ship, but there's a lot of it. The other thing is um, that's very different about this, and I assume you ran into it fairly quickly, was the smart elevators. How confusing were they? Were they pretty easy Uh, to use? You know, I don't think they were confusing. I guess if you've never seen one before, you're like, oh, crap, what am I doing? But there's a big monitor above the elevator that has the three steps on how to use it. So the first step is you approach the, the panel and you push what deck you want to go to. So say you embark on deck three and you want to go up to deck 10 on Lido. You push Lido, and the computer figures out which elevator is the fastest for you to get to Lido, and it assigns you an elevator bay. So let's just say there's elevator MNOP in that bay, and it's saying, hey, the next elevator to Lido is going to be elevator M. You just go to elevator M. When the door opens, get into the elevator, and it goes straight to Lido. There's no buttons in the elevator, so it's taking you from deck three straight to deck 10 with no delay. Were people able to sort of grasp the concept right away, or as I hope, were there people who get in the elevator and kind of have little freakouts because there are no buttons? I, I didn't see any freakouts, but I, I will say I didn't take the elevator at all, the whole cruise, but I would I put my, like, you know, held the elevator open, like, at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I looked in there, and I, I could see people, like, scratching their head thinking, you know, where, where do I do here? There's no, there's no buttons in here. So do you think this is something they might roll out across the rest of the fleet? They are. They're going to retrofit it onto Carnival Vista, and then they're going to put it on Carnival Panorama moving forward. But they can't retrofit it to the other ships in the class, the other class of ships, because I guess it's a different type of elevator. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. So you get in the elevator, uh, or actually you don't get in the elevator because you're very health conscious, yeah. and you take the stairs to your room. What mm-hmm. kind of room did you have? I had a balcony room on deck seven, which was between the forward part and the mid part of the ship on the starboard side. Typical stateroom for Carnival Cruise Line, two USB ports, two plugs, one European plug. But but one thing I did do is I brought a European power converter with me on the ship. So that gave me three plugs and two USBs to plug things in. So I was was happy there. Three closets uh, in the stateroom. The balcony, a nice size, plenty of storage. I put my luggage underneath the bed. Colors in the stateroom, um, not the blue, the bright blues like the Carnival Vista has and Sunshine and the ships before this, but um, 
again, going with the flow and the theme of the atrium, kind of the, the muted colors in the stateroom as well. Did you do your balcony test? I did. And I was I was impressed. I was able to put the put this chair back. So what I'm talking about is when I go onto a cruise ship balcony, I like to put the chair all the way back against the wall and see if my knees hit it. And my knees didn't hit it at all. So, you know, that's enough space for me. Is it basically the same setup as a typical carnival uh, stateroom? Is there anything noticeably different about it? No, I mean, everything is there. I can't speak on the other classes of staterooms, but I had the refrigerator. There was a couch, a little tiny table, vanity area, mirror, safe, you know, just the standard things you get on a normal carnival ship. All right. So let's get to the thing everybody really cares about, the food. Mm -hmm. And when I say the food, I mean the smokehouse because that's what I'm really, really wanting to hear about. Yeah, so the uh, Pig and Anchor Smokehouse Brew House. So if you've sailed on the other ships that have Pig and Anchor, you know they have a free lunch out there, and that is still the same on Carnival Horizon. The only difference is that at 5.30 p.m., the Pig and Anchor Smokehouse goes to an a la carte menu where you're getting appetizers for $4, you're getting sandwiches for 6 you're getting meals like um, the brisket and the baby back ribs starting at $8.00. And then sides are $2 um, a piece there. The only thing I wasn't, like when I think of barbecue, being from the South and going to barbecue restaurants all over the South, sweet tea or just brewed iced tea and barbecue go together. And they didn't have it in there. They just had like this lemonade that you could buy for five ninety five, a non-alcoholic hand-squeezed lemonade. And I thought that was kind of, you know, I know, I, know, I know this space has to make money. But I think, you know, if you would sell some iced tea in there for $2 or even $3, some fresh brewed iced tea. Yeah, do you think I'm right on this or no? I completely think you're right yeah. on that. And $6 seems like a lot to pay for lemonade. Right. I mean, that's more than that's more than some of the food. And it's one of those real like tall skinny glasses too, so it's not it wasn't even a you know a lot. You can get like an appetizer for the amount or a sandwich almost for the amount of that. Um, but the music was awesome in there. Uh, they had a they had a duo playing rock and country in the bar. They have a bacon bacon-infused drink that's served with the bacon. Um, they have this... Yeah, I'm not a big whiskey or bourbon person, so I can't speak intelligently on this. They have this drink, and they, have a, they light it on fire with a spice, put a dome on it, and they present it to you like with smoke coming out of the, of the dome. It's really cool. Um, okay, I'm going to need one of those like, yeah. immediately. So I am very much looking forward to giving that a try. Uh, when it comes to uh, the difference between lunch and dinner, is there a big difference in the menu? And also, follow-up question, do they have indoor and outdoor seating for both lunch and dinner? Yes, so um, indoor-outdoor for both. That is that is correct. Um, as far as – the meats were pretty much the same to me as far as your, your brisket, your sausage, your chicken, your pulled pork. Um, there is no baby back ribs on the lunch menu. Those are only on the dinner menu. Um, you can get a half rack or a full rack. So the meat's about the same. The sides seem a little more, they tasted kind of the same, but the presentation seems to be beefed up a little bit. Um, like you can get the collard greens, the, the baked beans, things like that on there. And they have this really good, every dish is, or every um, entree is served with honey baked cornbread. And it's like in this little pot they serve it in with some honey drizzled across it. And it's piping hot, like when you go to a Mexican place and they put a hot dish in front of you, it's that hot. Or you can get some Texas toast. And um, yeah, if, I, if you're going on the horizon and you're going into the Pig and Anchor, try the cornbread. It sounds amazing. Yeah, it's really good. What about other food around the ship? Uh, did you get a chance to try the new teppanyaki place? 
I didn't get to try that, and here's a big uh, tip if you're sailing on Carnival Horizon. Book Bonsai Teppanyaki before you sail. I rolled on the ship thinking, you know what? I'm just going to go on and try to book it. Well, the only time that was available was 5.15 when we were in Rome, and my excursion got back at 6.30, so obviously that wouldn't have worked, so I missed my chance to go to Bonsai Teppanyaki. Um, I did. I do have it booked for the uh, transatlantic later on in May, so I'll have to let you know how it is then. But people who went there, I mean, they, they love it, and it's got to be, I mean, on a capacity basis, the most popular venue on the ship. Which, since you're offering up tips, this seems like a good time to tell people that you are doing the transatlantic in a couple of weeks, and if they happen to have questions that you're not answering here, that they should um, hit you up somehow and and ask them. Yeah, totally, because the internet is blazing on that ship, too. So I get perfectly good email, Facebook, and everything. So Doug at cruiseradio.net. Perfect. We're going to take a quick pause here, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio. Maintaining our global reach. Listen live at cruiseradio.net. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour? Take a beach break? Or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling? Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. Have a question for the experts or would you like to talk about your cruise or vacation experience, good or bad? Email comments at cruiseradio.net. What about the rest of the food around the ship? Uh, any standouts? Anything? How, were, how were, did you do the main dining room? How was service? I did the main dining room twice. And with so many people, there's two main dining rooms. There's the Meridian dining room, which is the aft one that's two stories. And then there's the midship dining room that is one story, and that's that's the Reflections dining room. Reflections is reserved for set dining. That's the mid one. And the aft one is reserved for your time dining. And To me, it seems like the service is quicker in the set dining instead of the your time because your time is two stories. And... It seemed like the whole ship almost had your time dining. Um, now, granted, the excursions did run late. Like some excursions didn't get back until six o'clock or so, six thirty. Some of them seven o'clock. Um, so that kind of made sense. But it even seems like sailings in the Caribbean that people are doing more and more of the um, your time dining. You know, eating between whatever it is five thirty and nine forty-five p.m. So my my tip would be if you want to have better service. I would go to these set time dining. Well, it also makes sense in that the set time, they have to get you out of there in a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that kind of makes sense, I guess, on that level. And it was a little awkward, too, um, because 
with the your time dining, like we were just getting our appetizers, I think, and they were already doing the baked Alaska presentation. And I guess during the your time, they have to kind of have it on a rotational basis, right? Probably like every hour and a half, they probably do it. Yeah, that would make yeah, sense. So that yeah, was interesting. All right. Well, you've had dinner. Now, what about a show? Did you see any of the, uh, the, the new shows they've got on the ship? Yeah, Playlist Production. They have four shows on this one. Three of them are new. Um, one is carried over from the Cuban. One is carried over from Vista. You know, solid. Between 35 and 45 minutes a show. Um, I've mentioned it before. I'm very ADD. I have to sit in the very back. But I also sit in the back to see if people are leaving during the show. And people, it, these shows were captivating. The live music, I think, is what Carnival is finally starting to slowly bring back. It's making a difference. You know, you can only listen to people doing a through the decades thing to a track for so long with the feathers and everything. And <laughs> with, with Carnival bringing in these live horn sections and live bands, I think it's, it's good to see that again. It's like things are, the entertainment is coming full circle. Um, go ahead. One of the shows that I was really curious about was the Celestial Strings, which, you know, basically they found another way to incorporate the uh, sort of electronic string. It's not a quartet. I guess it's a trio who play in the atrium a lot of nights. How was that? That sounded like it was really kind of going to be cool with different sets and atmosphere and effects. And did it, did it live up to the hype? Well, so full disclosure, that night I was in the Pig and Anchor brew house. So I didn't catch the Celestial show, but I did catch them playing in the main atrium. And you know the atrium is three decks, and people were crowding each of the railings watching these violinists play. I mean, they were playing everything from Coldplay to Michael Jackson and everything in between. Um, there's also a, uh, an acoustic guitar player uh, who kind of does opposite of them when they're not playing. She'll play Really, really good there. Um, the nightclub is in the Limelight Theater on this ship, which is also the Punchliner Comedy Club. Um, I didn't go down there. That's not really my scene, going to the nightclub. Uh, uh, but the DJ by the pool, too, she was she was good, and she kept the, the people going as well. So I, I think the ship really has – there's a lot of spaces on there, and that's not even mentioning like the Alchemy Bar and the bar in Serenity and the Atrium Bar um, the bar at Fahrenheit five five five. There's just there's so many bars. The the aft bar by the aft pool. There's just so much to do. The Havana bar. The ship really comes to life at night. Did you get to hang out in the Havana section at all? I know during the day that's a no no. But <laughs> yeah, uh... I got shut down during the day. I, I tried to like you know kind of casually just walk out there, and the guy's like, uh, "Can I see your wristband?" And I was like, oh, what, what wristband? I don't know what you're talking about. They're like, yeah, this is a, a secluded area for private guests only. I'm like, oh, okay. So I just like slowly left. But then I went back. And you didn't I, play the press card? But, but no, sir, I'm with the press. I don't like doing that. You know, a lot of people do that crap, and that's not me. I just, just say, um, okay, I'll come back when it's open at 7 o'clock, which I did. And it was awesome. I mean, there's something about being back there in the connection to the water on deck five where you just, you know, when you're on that deck and you can hear the, the propellers churning up the water and how soothing it is. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what it was like. And there's two pool, there's one big pool back there and two big oval hot tubs that are just awesome to chill in and not crowded at all. I mean, all the times I went back there during the sailing, one hot tub had like two people and the other one had like five drunk girls in it. So you couldn't lose either way. <laughs> Now, did you happen to go back and visit the Havana area at night when, like, the band was playing? Because I suspect it's got to be a really hot spot. That place really, I say, comes to life. You want to talk about 
place coming to life. You put that that Latin uh, band in there with the horns and all of that. I'm I'm curious. I think it's going to trump the nightclub when it gets to the Caribbean because, especially with the Miami crowd. One thing that was sort of a issue with Carnival Vista was some of the sight lines in the theater. Did they happen to figure out a way around that, or is that just not something they can fix? That's something that you're going to have to deal with uh, on this as well. Get to the show early because that's, that's in the Limelight Theater where the Punchliner Comedy Club is and in the Liquid Lounge where the main show theater is. And that's just because it's the way the ship is built. I mean, back in the Limelight Theater above you is that wide open space, Ocean Plaza, where the band is and the seating area and the dance floor. So you need something holding that floor up. And then when you go forward to the Liquid Lounge, the same thing. I mean, you have you know decks above you, the bridge above you, and all of that. So it's – you know what? You just have to – it's – it's part of the ship design. I mean, was it the best design? I don't think so. Other theaters at sea are a lot better, but I'm hoping that they learn from this and kind of can make some modifications for uh, on Carnival Panorama. Now, I believe they moved one of the venues so that they would have fewer complaints about sound with uh, cabins being directly above it. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so the, the, it was in Liquid Lounge is where the nightclub was, which is the main show theater. They have relocated that back to the Limelight Theater. So after the late night comedy show, it turns into a nightclub. And sometimes they'll even do the late night comedy show, I noticed, in the main theater so they can open the nightclub earlier. So yeah, um, the cabin noise, you know, people were complaining about the, the nightclub being up front. So they moved it in the back where there's no cabins and people aren't going to um, complain pretty much and, and get, you know, get no sleep because of it. And that's one of the things we always talk about is making sure when you're uh, selecting your cabin, look on the deck plans and see what's above you, what's below you, because it can save you some it can save you some heartache in the long run. Yeah, I, I mean, I learned a lesson whenever I booked a guarantee on a Norwegian ship, and they put me right above the nightclub, and I was wondering why is this cabin three hundred and sixty nine dollars for a seven night in the Mediterranean, and that's exactly why because the uh, assigned cabin was right above the nightclub where the walls were shaken and the pictures were shaken every night. So, And that's one of the dangers of the guarantee cabin, mm-hmm. I guess. You spoke a little bit about some of the outdoor areas. Um, mainly, we looked at the Havana area. But what about some of the other outdoor areas on the on the deck? Are there a lot of chairs, a lot of space, a lot of um, you know areas to stretch out? We only had one sea day on the sailing, but the sea day we did have was beautiful. I mean, not a cloud in the sky. And you know, does it get busy by the the midship pool and by the aft pool? Absolutely. But I didn't find there being like people uh, – well, first off, there wasn't a lot of chair hogs because they have been very strict on that, which I love. And the same thing with Serenity. If you leave your stuff for more than – I forgot the set time, but, you know, they, basically, they they kindly remove your belongings and put them in the towel shack and say, please, you know, retrieve your belongings here. Um with the, the seating, you know, there's three levels of seating um, at the midship pool. I think it's called the beach pool. And there's two levels of seating at the aft pool. And the aft pool also has two hot tubs back there as well. So a lot of places for people to spread out. Going up to Serenity on deck 14, there's two hot tubs up there and lots of clamshell uh, day beds. There's clamshell little loungers that you can crawl up in, um, beach chairs. And I think there was a hammock or two up there. And of course, full-service bar in Serenity, and they also have, during sea days, the Creation Salad Bar up there, which are specialty salads that are handmade for you. Sounds amazing. So you had one sea day, which means this was a really port-intensive sailing. 
we're not really going to hit on all the ports since, like we said before, it's um, not really relevant for most people who are going to sail on this ship. But, you know, what, what, what were the basics? So the basic, in a nutshell, we left Barcelona. We went to a port called Calgary, I believe. And then we went to Rome, Livorno, which we went to Florence there. Naples, which we went to Pompeii. And then Marseille, which I went to a place called Cassis. And I think that was all the ports that I, we went to. But I got to say, if you've ever been to the Med, I mean, the Mediterranean is awesome. Very long days. You're talking like some shore excursions are 10 hours, but worth every single second of it. You were in Italy. Please tell me you found some place to have real Italian pizza. I found a lot of places to have real Italian pizza. And there, we, the place that that pizza was born was Naples or is Naples. And we had... Super cheap pizza. It was like four or five euro a piece, depending on what you get. I say a piece, a pie. And I mean, it's no Pizza Hut or anything, but it's really good. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a good thing, probably. Right. (laughs) All right. So you've done your sailing. You've had your one sea day. You've hit your ports and you're heading back to Barcelona. Uh, How is debarkation? Now, isn't debarkation one of the ways in which the smart elevators are supposed to sort of speed things up a bit? Yeah, they're supposed to handle 1,000 guests per hour going down. And I can't speak on how Disembark was past people talking about it on the Facebook group for the sailing because I got off at 6.30, and I was probably one of the first 100 people off the ship because I had an early uh, connection in Barcelona. So I just jumped in a cab, and it was like €39 from the cruise pier to uh, the airport. But everything was – you know. Again, it's totally different in the Mediterranean than it is in Miami, but I'll just say that when you get off the ship over there, you don't clear customs until you get to the airport and leave the country. So it's it's a whole different game over there. Um, you know, the cruise director, Mike, was standing at the gangway telling everybody goodbye. And from what I read in our Facebook group, people seem to not have a problem with the debark process and the elevators seem to work, you know, work fine. Speaking of, you mentioned the cruise director, and I completely forgot to ask, who was it and how was he? So his name's Mike Pack, and he's solid. He's He dresses kind of like in the crazy suits, and he's very cruise directory, you know, the kind of the game show host kind of, ooh, yeah. Kind of, kind of, <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean that being negative. I mean, he, I'm sure he's a great guy, but, um, you know, it's kind of hard, and I'll be the first to admit, you I put everybody up against Matt Mitchum, who was on Carnival Vista, and he's probably one of the best damn cruise records I've ever sailed with in my life. Um, same thing with Jamie D. So it's like they set the bar really high, and so anybody else, you know, if they don't meet that bar or you know at least come close, you're a little critical on them. And, but a cruise director, you know, it's so subjective. People love him, people hate him. You're not going to like everyone, right? Exactly. Yeah. I've had my share of ones that I – there is one who I will not name who is very, very, very famous, and I can't stand him. So <laughs> everybody has their own, you know, their own their own deal when it comes to cruise directors. Mm-hmm. So basically, having spent a week on the ship, any first-time tips for people who are about to board it and anything that you're looking forward to doing when you go back that you didn't really have a chance to do this time? I would say – I mean a tip – well – this is kind of a given, but prepay your gratuities. There was a line almost like as long as someone waiting to go on Disney's Space Mountain um, of people trying to remove their gratuities. I always want to give them the benefit of the doubt, thinking, oh, you know what? They might have a problem with their bill. But I stand there on my phone 
being nosy, but I'm looking at my phone acting like I'm not being nosy, and that people are saying, I want to move my gratuities. I want to take my gratuities off. And one after another, people were saying this, and I'm like, guys, these crew members busting their ass for you all week, and then you're pulling this crap on the last night? Not cool. And then they're like, oh, we're going to give cash. And I'm thinking, yeah, BS. I'm sure you are. Right. And even if you are, you know, how many times have we do we have to say it? Yeah. Yes, you may give your room steward t- a tip, but there are so many people who wait on you that you will never see, that you have no idea even exist. And those tips go to all of them. Mm-hmm. So don't do it. Just yep. don't do it. Well, you know, let me, let me just cut you off. Uh, real quick, bring a European charger if you want to have one more plug. Just grab a Euro charger and you can plug it into that third outlet and you can have a um, – plug three things in at one time. Uh, make a reservation for Bonsai Teppanyaki. I'm doing it and I'm looking forward to it on the Transatlantic because I couldn't get a seating for it. Remember, there's only 16 seatings, two tables. Each table has eight people, so they fill up really fast. Um, uh, one thing that I would say to, to try out, and we didn't touch on this, but the Steakhouse has live piano music in it now. And the steakhouse is a $35 set fee. And you're thinking, oh, great, live piano in a steakhouse. I'm going to hear Elton John and Piano Man and Sweet Caroline. But it's not like that at all. It's the piano player playing really soft, almost classical music like an elegant steakhouse like you'd find in like New York City. What do they do when the piano bar kicks in? They have this big divider, this, this soundproof wall that shuts and it separates the piano bar from the steakhouse. So it's like, you know, there's a big sound barrier between the two. All right. So what was your big highlight for the trip? The biggest highlight for me was going to Guy's Pig and Anchor Brew House and Smokehouse because I spent a Shocker. lot. Yeah, I spent like many nights going until 3 a.m. there. And it's just the, I mean, Colin, the brewmaster, he makes those, those four brews that are awesome. My favorite is the Porter. Um, he also does like an ale and an IPA and one other one I can't remember. He does seasonal brews throughout the year. The guy is really cool and really talented. So definitely try that. Um, another highlight would probably be, you know, I didn't get to do the sky ride this time. I didn't get to go on the Dr. Seuss water waterworks because I mean, it was it, the, the itinerary was so port intensive. With only one sea day, you only get to do so much because you have to you have to eat and drink too, right? Well, occasionally, and yeah. <laughs> or if it's you, a lot. Yeah. So, but I, I will say, on this sailing, I walked walked sixty. No, I'm burping up my Mexican food. Sorry. <laughs> um, on this sailing, I will say that I walked sixty point one miles, and I did one hundred and thirty one thousand three hundred steps. On the seven night cruise, so well. Here's the big question: Right before you left, you posted on social media that your weight was, and I believe it was 168 pounds, if I'm not mistaken. So, how did you uh, wrap it up? Okay, so yeah, it was 168.0 when I left. When I came back, I was 170.2, so I gained 2.2 pounds. Well, you have a couple of weeks now to get rid of it before you get back on the ship again. As we're wrapping up here, what are your final thoughts on Horizon? She's a good ship. I think that they took what worked and what didn't work on Carnival Vista and they incorporated that onto Horizon. Hopefully, they'll take what doesn't work on Horizon, like the poles, and transition that to something good for Carnival Panorama. You know what? Just get out there and sail it because um, the barbecue itself is totally worth the price. I... I, I paid I paid around eleven hundred dollars for my transatlantic, and I'm going to probably eat that much in barbecue on the on the way over. I look forward to your weight gain report on that one. <laughs> yes. I guess that's all I've got for you. 
Well, Richard, thank you so much for coming on with me. It's always good to have this back and forth banter. Well, I'm glad to do it anytime. And I'll uh, talk to you again after your next one. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Let's see what we've got for you. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer. At LensCrafters, we value expertly tailored eye care, provide state-of-the-art eye exams, offer a wide assortment of designer brands and high-quality lenses, because everything we do at LensCrafters is for every site that makes your life special. We offer 50% off lenses with frame purchase. Shop in-store and online. Book your annual eye exam now on LensCrafters.com. LensCrafters, because sight. Eye exams are available at the Independent Doctor of Optometry at or next to LensCrafters. Doctors in some states are employed by LensCrafters. Offer valid to April 2nd, 2023. See associate for details.